you send me swinging. Oh, you send me swinging. <laughs> I don't, how come I'm not remembering? I don't think I remember what, uh. I wait for the day. Who is that? Black- Nick Edition. Right. That's true. I love, me some, I love me some in condition. Absolutely. Big, Crazy. huge fans of them. I can't rem- even though I couldn't remember who sung that song. I knew I knew the song, but I, it's fine. I'm old. Uh, <laughs> praise the Lord, niggas. Praise the Lord, niggas. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Getting Grown with Jaden Kia, where we discuss all things adulting, the tests, the trials, the triumphs, the twists, the turns, the taxes, the tolls, all of that. Um, we're here to just try to figure it out together as one big, bad brigade of fantastic black women. Um, Amen. That's it. So what's up, sis? Happy Martin Luther the King Day that's to That's right. You. Happy Martin Luther the King. Let's try to be, um, let's try to be good people today and every day. <laughs> and every day, please. That That would be most helpful. I'll probably watch the Boondocks sure. episode. When Martin Luther King came back, it's an honor. <laughs> I've never seen. I've never seen. It that. was like it was niggas twerking and eating McDonald's. When Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King came back. He was like, I think they had him frozen, and they or he was in a coma. I can't, I think he was in a coma, and he came back, and you know it was a totally different day than it was when he passed. And niggas was twerking and eating McDonald's and doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> And they were trying to like Huey was trying to make it a thing, and like you know, and people were not showing respect. And he got irritated when he was trying to get everybody's attention. And he was like, "Would you ignorant niggas please shut the hell up?" <laughs> my goodness, it's one of my faves. But anyway, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I can't complain. I mean, ain't nobody listening. No way. So yeah, I'm I'm fine. Just trying to keep it moving. I got tons of work to do, but I'm happy to be here and happy to be doing it. How are you? I'm cool. You know, did did all my adulting yesterday. I went to Trader Joe's and the receipt looked like a CVS receipt at the end. We had to stock the crib. You got money. No, sis. I needed groceries. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a family and I don't have no choices. So Went and did that. And plus, looking at a stocked, a fully stocked fridge is like watching porn for me. It's, it's I get <laughs> really excited when I open my fridge and it's clean and like fully stocked and organized. It really, that does something to my, uh, to my spirit. But anywho. Yeah, man. We are here. Um, I was not, I was getting ready to quote an XD. Nope. We are here and we are present oh, in the couch for us. <laughs> The other day, XD said, "We're here. We're queer. Buy us a light beer." And I, I was. Did you get that from like Will and Grace? Probably or something? wanted it. Probably that sounds like something it. Jack would say. Yeah, I th- probably because it had it had like a cheer and a clap to it. But um, oh my gosh. I was that is not that that is actually the wrong show. But we're here, <laughs> like he said, for another episode uh, where we get grown and figure out how to adult. You want? Yeah, uh, happy three day weekend, Oof. everybody. Because you know we cherish uh, those these days. I'm truly grateful and very much looking forward to being able to get back in my bed. 
so yeah, man. Um, you want to get right into it so we can uh, get this show on the road? Yeah, let's take out some trash. Um, let's do the it. first one I put on. I put on the list because it made me lol. Okay, Jim Jones and Chrissy Lampkin are joining marriage boot camp. Are they married? No. Okay. <laughs> he he um, still ain't proposed to her. She's proposed to him like three times now, twice. Is it twice? I thought she's done it at least twice. Oh, Chrissy girl. Well, <laughs> I mean, I could have made that up. Hopefully I didn't. Hopefully I did. But uh, <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was. She did like a big proposal. Yeah. Like I remember on the show, but I felt like before then, she had just like asked him and he oh, was just mad like, times. Oh, no. mad times. Right. They've been together for mad long. So he has yet to propose to her. I love Chrissy. I mean, I, I like her. I really enjoy Chrissy. I think she's stunning. Same. And I mean, I just, maybe I'm just not set up like she is because I don't think I want anything this bad. I really don't. Like, aside from like salvation <laughs> and um, health, wealth. Aside from salvation, right. Aside from salvation and maybe like a zero balance on my student loans, I don't feel like I want anything as bad as Chrissy wants Jim Jones. And I just, I don't know. Maybe this is, I don't know. That is the epitome maybe of loving not in the draws. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. I guess it's not it. for I, us I to get. I don't know. But <laughs> I just want you, girl, like stop doing, like I just, I just don't want these things for her. I just think she deserves better. Maybe one day oh we'll have a discussion God. on women proposing to men. That might lead for a good. That's going to be a very brief discussion as far as I'm concerned. No. But we can have it. <laughs> I'm open to having it. I'm not closed. I, I'm open. It's probably just going to be called, the episode will be called No. Um, like, I, well, listen, I'm not here to tell the girls what to do, but I, I can speak for me and my house. Amen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what else we have. They have really beat us over the head with this relationship. We're going on a smooth. What is ten years since we've been contending with ten, twelve? James, James and Chrissy. Yeah. I mean, my God. Yeah. They just gonna do all the shows. They gonna do all of them. They gonna do love and hip hop. They gonna have their own. I'm not. Mad. I'm not mad at them and the and their coin. You are supposed to pursue the coin, secure the bag. I fully, fully. But pursue the lady. Fully, well, that's a whole nother conversation. Niggas. This, these niggas I get mean, too comfortable. Agree. We're going to have a con- we, We're going to have a full conversation about this. But anyway. About niggas getting comfortable? About niggas getting comfortable. Like, it could be a three-part series. We can, a, It can be like a new edition movie. A trilogy. Let's do it. Lord of Thrones. That's Game fun. of Thrones. Lord of the Ring. Whatever is, the shit is called. Lord of Thrones. <laughs> Lord, of, Lord of Thrones. That's what these niggas think they oh, are. Wait. The Lords of Thrones. Let me- <laughs> Let me do this right quick because I forgot I should have done it at the beginning of the show. Right. This weekend, I had the privilege of being a part of a chat and chew panel. It was sponsored by an organization called She. Ooh. Um, they're based in the DMV. We had a panel. Awesome. Um, brilliant black women coming together and just having real conversation about real life, real life issues. Um, and, ho- and hopefully offering each other insight and perspective as we kind of navigate the different areas of our lives. I was on the panel with three awesome women. Um, and I was post- I posted it on my Instagram a few weeks ago. Um, and the event was actually this past Saturday. It was a huge success. So I wanted to thank the ladies of She for having me and 
We had an awesome conversation. I also got a chance to meet the other panelists, which who are awesome women as well. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to shout you guys out. I don't. Um, I wanted to uh, say it in the beginning of the show, and I forgot. But that whole conversation about niggas getting too comfortable is something that we touched on at the panel. So it brought it back to my memory. I will hopefully. Um, I'm going to leave some information about the SHE organization. Not even, well, not some information, but I'll leave the links to the SHE organization and the other panelists in the description box. You guys follow these awesome women out. Uh, follow follow them um, and on your social media. And yeah, we can kind of keep um, the conversation going. So shout out to everyone who came. We had a few listeners from the show in the house. Nice. Um, everyone was really, really, um, it was just really great to meet all of you guys. So Thanks for having me, and we're looking forward to continuing to do stuff like this in the future. Absolutely. We got some fun stuff coming, too. Lots of fun. Kia and I Lots will both be there. Tons of fun. Oh, my God. Oh, speaking of tons of fun. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible segue. Um, okay. Also, at the beginning, I went to, I, I told you, I went to Crystal's house this weekend. Mm-hmm. And we watched, she made me watch some show. I don't know what the thing is called. Two Tons of Fun, My Big Ass Family. I can't remember what it's called. Everybody in the family was over 400 pounds. And it was on TLC. I have to find the title of it so I can tell you all what it's called. I mean, I'm going to be tuned in every Wednesday. It is fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) It's fascinating. Like they got one lady in the bed. She's been in in the bed for mad long. And the family comes to her and takes care of her. Her sister came to her and brought her groceries in a hot plate and a skillet and my girl sat in the bed and made nachos like she <laughs> like ground beef like she cooked ground beef on her bed in the pan mm. she seasoned it with ketchup lots mm. and lots of ketchup mm. and I just we were like what and her sister said there's things she refuses to buy for her but I guess she's gotten to a point where she's like I can't take all this lady stuff away from her, but you can don't bring her no more bottles of ketchup. That's nothing but sugar. It's nothing but sugar. Like if we just start with the diet, it's, that's what I'm working on with the middle. But anyway, I just wanted to put everybody onto the show, even though I don't know the name of it. So in TLC. No. <laughs> and, all right. And it's interesting. More trash. More trash. So obviously we know about the outrage of the of the H&M hoodie. And if you're anything like me, you are tired of our peers photoshopping all this stuff onto this hoodie, <laughs> putting oh. this li- putting this little boy on event flyers. So my, oh my god, so many things. But a huge reason why I'm tired is because the mother responded. Did you see it? I did see her response. Mm, what did you think? And um, <laughs> I mean, I think that she's extraordinarily selfish and a bit irresponsible but I mean she's within her right to behave the way she wants and, and say what she wants I do feel like I mean she's entitled to her opinion if she thinks that this is all hoopla and we're doing too much she's entitled to that feeling but we are also entitled to feel that she's trash right I agree I totally um, agree I mean and I know that there's context and things that I, I probably don't have knowledge of uh and we can all make, uh, you know, assumptions and try to figure out or rationalize why she would feel this way. But I feel like that would be a waste of time and energy. 
I do not agree with her. And I guess that's really all I got. But I mean, that's her child. So she could do what she wants. You're right. It's her kid at the end of the day. Um, But one thing she stated, which was grossly um, inaccurate. Well, she said they don't deal with racism. She said that's not a part of where they at. Where are they? In Europe. I can't remember which where. But they're in Europe. Um, And from... Oh, see, I got it. I was going to say the thing about that is, you know, I do feel like there are some, you know, she's not, she's not had, she probably, well, it's evident that she doesn't have knowledge uh, or appreciation for the history of race and race relations in this country. And I could totally see how she'd be like, that's not my business, but. The girl started <laughs> in Europe. I mean, I just feel like as, I mean, this is, we're talking about the di- diaspora here, so. Right. Kind of like what's going on in the United States. It may not affect you directly, but I mean. Just a just a just a just a tidbit. It didn't start in the United States. It started with the niggas who came from Europe. Listen. <laughs> it started over there. They left their land, went to Africa. And boom, we everywhere now. You I know mean, what I'm we, we could, this is also another conversation that we can continue to have over and over again. Yeah. About how, you know, <clears throat> racism has impacted us, um, you know, like racism as a global concept, right? Right. Um, I do think that that's something that we should absolutely discuss. And it's something that's going to be uh, a more necessary uh, I mean, especially given race relations in this nation are kind of spilling out into like global context, right? So like the pe- people have are starting to feel ways about us. And I mean, they always have, but I mean, with the behavior of this administration, it's something that's getting worse and worse. So um, I do feel like this is something that we got to talk about. I'm not entirely, entirely sure uh, the platform that would be a most useful, appropriate for this conversation, but this lady... Mm. this lady man we're gonna talk about it we're gonna talk we're gonna we're also going to save that discussion man um but in response to to all of that your good sis rachel popped up (laughs) i don't have any sisters by the name of rachel (laughs) who are you referring to exactly i'm sorry i'm just please help me understand i don't have any sisters named rachel and i don't know fucking Rachel Dolezal jokes in my mentions because I've oh had them enough. Gosh. I've had them enough. Okay? I get it. I'm fair-skinned. I don't look like that lady. So everybody relax. But You don't look like that lady. Yeah, well, you're one of the, like, many people have decided. I don't, I don't think that you look like Rachel Dolezal. Thank you, because that's an insult. But she made a hoodie. Um... <laughs> Why is she making things? Why won't Why she, she stop making things? <laughs> Crochet I mean, weaves. I can't do anything about her existence. It's really not my place. Lace you know, she, but why does she continue to this do-it-yourself thing that she does? Like, what is this thing? I just want to let you all know that I came out with my own line. What is of, that? What is on this hoodie? Of Oh, hold on. I'll tell you now. Let's go to the images. Coolest prince in the hood. I'm sorry, what does you, what? Coolest prince in the hood. Is that the name of the, what does that mean? Because the original shirt said coolest monkey in the jungle. 
And so she. So she. Oh my God. We're done here. Can we move on to the next topic, please? I just. Always. Always. I would rather not. I just. I just would rather not. No. Um. Okay. All right. Cool. Um. Okay. So next. So I. So. Uh. The next one on trash is um Coco Ice T's wife. <clears throat> this is big trash to me. Oh God. I'm tired. She, I don't even know what this is about. I'm tired. She wants the world to know that she paved the way. Stop right there. The she paved the way for, for what? <laughs> she paved the way for what? The thick models. Let's go to her Instagram post. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let's just Coco, read it straight from the lips. Coco paved the way for what? Or the no lips. <laughs> Coco says, I would like to shed light to almost 21 years of modeling. I don't post much about it and new followers don't even know that I had a career in modeling. And just see me as a wife, mother, and someone that was on reality TV. But just like every actor, singer, entertainer, I'm proud of what I've done. I feel people should know it wasn't easy. I helped pave the way for thick girls during the skinny genre, during the Kate Moss days, what they call the waif era. To be noticed as beautiful. This was back before social media when magazines were popping. Back before Kim K, Nicki Minaj. And I mention them because young people need pop culture as the history makers. But they need to know it started somewhere before them. This was also back before the plastic surgery craze. What? During my time, it was pretty much J-Lo that was making waves in the derriere phenomenon. To have booty, it was considered to be fat in the modeling world, but I helped change the minds of what booty was. Today, it's a normal thing to see all different shapes and sizes. No one even thinks about it anymore. I helped history. I don't want to toss it aside like it was nothing. I'd like to think some of my modeling was meaningful. (laughs) After tons of calendars, DVDs, over 100 magazine covers and editorials, editorials, Words mean things. I'm still standing. Thank you for all years of support. Power to the booty and strong, healthy women. This pic is from one of my calendars. And she posted a picture of modeling one of her editorials in front of a lime green motorcycle wearing a lime green G-string and lime green string um, at the top. It doesn't look like it's anything but a string. This is not slut shaming, just so you all know. This is facts. <laughs> and uh yeah, my girl said that she paved the way for the for the thick models. Okay. So, mm-hmm. She told all these black women I'm out tired. here that she paved the way for it's the thick just, um models. I'm so tired of white people feeling like they have to girl, who are you? Right. First of all, I don't. Nobody knew you. Nobody cares, honestly. And if she thinks that she, without her, there would be no appreciation for booties, she's out of her mind. And what the hell is she talking about? People was thick before Coco was Coco. Nigga, we been thick. Was she born thick? thick. Or did she create her thick? I want her to say something to the people who came out of the womb thick. Who's Josephine Baker? Who is who is that? Because I know she came well before Coco. But not even that. But I just feel like, okay, so she wants everyone to, you know, say her name or whatever. Okay, Coco. I don't know what you... First of all, I'm just... She just... Mm, I'm, I'm tired. Coco, you sound dumb as hell. Um, 
I don't, what the heck? Oh my God. And then lastly in the trash, Offset got Cardi B's name tattooed on his neck. All right. I mean, okay. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I guess that's nice. Yes. I love Almanzar Belcalis. Belcalis Almanzar. But um I want oh. her to I want her to accept better in her life. I mean, was it some sort of apology? I'm assuming. I think this this is like the new nigga way of apologizing. I'm gonna get your name tattooed on my neck. So I want them to know it's not real until I get your name tattooed on my neck. Fuck all these sex tapes and all of these videos that keep surfacing of me having sex with other women. I'm but I just want you to know it's real because I got your name tattooed on my neck, not their name. All right. Well <laughs> Okay. Let's Nigga do logic. But um so that's all that's all the trash that I have. You have anything? No. I feel like that was plenty. I don't need any more trash today. I know. It's it's a holiday. And you know, on the holidays, it'd be mad trash outside because the garbage men ain't working. They can't come till tomorrow. Niggas have, you know, um functions and things. So I figured I'd make the trash pile high and funky today. Can I ask the question? I'm just as more, the more I sit with this, the more that I'm I grow concerned. So please, if, if you, so what is the basis? Like, why? Why is if Coco was to just say, <laughs> if Coco was to just say, I'm Coco, and <clears throat> sorry, I made a name for myself as a woman, you know, as a as a thicker woman model. And I want you guys to know that I did that. If she were to just say that, that's fine. But why is it that she has to like? I paved the way. Like, what is the pay respect? What is the what is the like, girl? Why do you want to make yourself a legend? You know what I'm saying? Like, Oprah doesn't have to go around and say I. And this is what like when she accepts her seats will be the Mill Award. One of the things that was so like, oh my god, that struck me the most was like. Oprah did. Oprah could have gotten up there and read her resume. She could have gotten up there and said, when I did this, it was because of that. And I did this despite all of that because she has receipts and can actually show and prove. We can actually see her legacy. And Oprah can get up there and say, do you see all these talk shows? This is All me. these bitches Everybody's is my like, Exactly. Oprah could do that. But she, mm. her acceptance speech... She didn't at all do that because it wasn't even necessary. She made it about what she wanted to do, the work she wanted to do going forward, how she wanted to help and continue to build and grow things. And she talked about what it like, how how um, how her life has been shaped, how that's informed, you know, the choices that she made, the things that she's been able to do throughout her career and what that's going to mean for her going forward. And that is the way. That, you know what I'm saying? If you want to get up there and have someone, if you want to tell somebody to put some respect on your name, Mm. like, I feel like that's the way that you do it. You have receipts. You have things to back you up. Coco posting a picture in a G-string and then telling the girls, you know, I'm here. You're you're here because of me. Like, ma'am, let me get you a seat. Okay. You got to get, let me get you one that reclines. You need to lay back. You need to sit back and, and think about why this is just, girl, Girl. Foolish. Girl. And I mean, why do we... uh, She didn't even have to bring J-Lo into this. 
she talk didn't. about the d- phenomena of the derriere. I would have all of you to know that butts have been butts long before white people started paying attention to them. Are you kidding Thank me? You. Sir Mix-a-Lot came out. Like, Sir Mix-a-Lot song came out what in the eighties? Is it in they the late eighties? So tired. They make me so tired. Like we can't have nothing. No, Coco been we can in the, never have anything. Coco been in the gym doing squats for thirty years, trying to look like what some women get up in the morning looking like, and don't and still eating, uh, you know, uh, beans and rice and and white and gravy and potatoes and biscuits, and Coco is out here working hard for what just comes naturally to to many many women around the world. It's two thousand eighteen. I just looked it up. So Mixola came out. Baby got back in '92. But even and aside that, from Baby got back, that. I'm talking about history. Like, right? Are no, you I know. Me? Baby got back is history. No, but I agree with you. I what I'm saying is that he was he praised this in '92. Women been thick and been praised for being thick. And let's just talk. Like, we can get into it with the conversation about about slavery and about you know what we said we were going to talk about but um there w- black slaves were raped by white men for so long because one well also because we were disrespected but because of our physiques we have been out here we have been thick since the beginning of time this is nothing new and you've paved the way for absolutely nothing why do you feel like you have to pave the way to do anything? Just be the best Coco tea or whatever the hell that is, girl. Just be out here. And if... Because people who like actually pave the way don't say they pave the exactly. way. Exactly. Like, you don't be out here. Like, what the heck, man? Get somewhere and sit down and do some work. Like, are, okay. All right, girl. I blame Ice Tea. But anyway, that's it. <laughs> I blame. I mean, I'm, I blame Ice T. I blame Ice T. I, I blame, blame Coco. She's got to. She got to stand up in this one. She was just gonna have to prove to me. She does. What, but he's put all these foolish thoughts in her head that it's okay for her to speak. Why don't? What he needs? Why just shut her up? Yeah, actress and a model. Okay, and I'm not what saying, actress. I'm not. Oh, if that's what she says she is, I mean, that's her right. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to talk about. Okay, I'm a queen. The work, like you know, what I'm saying like, I'm not saying that acting. And modeling is not work. But I'm just saying you cannot compare like I'm I'm getting tired. But <laughs> it's show. so many things to um fight. It's a big old onion of bullshit. Um we so have, many layers we of, have a of lot um, more show to go and uh, we do. Coco is she's drained my battery, so we gotta just let's move on. Shout out let's to my sis. My sis is popping right now, like shout out to my sis. All right, I'm glad this is our shout out to my sis. It actually makes me very happy. We got an um, email letter, an email letter, a listener email. Um, it says, hey, y'all, first of all, thanks for the podcast. It changed my life for the better. And I appreciate both of you for your time, dedication, realness, and most of all, your hilarity. Continue blessings to both of you. Blessings to you for listening. I'd like to shout out my girl, Damian Brown. She is a New Orleans native who is currently a first grade teacher in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and she's the author of the children's book, Aida Brown Finds Her Crown. Let's do it. Aida, I love it. Aida is a little black girl who goes on a journey to find out what makes her special. This book encourages little girls and boys to believe in themselves and be their own kind of beautiful. The Book of Aida series has a second book. 
Aida Brown's Big Sister Crown that's currently available for pre-order. Aida Brown Finds Her Crown is currently available everywhere books are sold. Damien Damien also does parties in the New Orleans and Baton Rouge areas that include Storytime, a live Aida doll, photo keepsake for all the kids, arts and crafts, crown souvenir for all the kids, a bundle for the birthday girl or boy, and books for sale at a discounted price. Um, Kia, I know you'll like to buy books as as gifts for little kids, so go ahead and add this book to the list. I'm going to add this book to the list for my child, for sure. Um, Thank you so much, Brie, for writing in and letting us know. We're going to make sure we put all of the links in the description box. You can get T-shirts, dolls. They're all available at thebookofaida.com. And there's also an email and Instagram and Twitter. The Instagram is the book of Aida and that's A-I-D-A. Um, so we will make sure that we put all of that information in the description box. I think this is absolutely dope. I agree. Um, I think it's amazing. Uh, and I'm always looking for for books to help empower my little black child. So <laughs> um, this is for all of you out there, nieces, nephews, children little brothers, little sisters, make sure you guys check out the link in the description box and uh, let's get this black business popping. Let's do it. Indubitably. All right. Kitchen table talk. Gather around uh, boys and girls, ladies and germs. What are you snacking on today, sis? This blood orange sangria uh, seltzer water. Oh, blood orange sangria seltzer water. What kind of fancy seltzer water is that? It's just, um, it's the polar brand. The Polar Brand Seltzer from the supermarket, but it's blood orange sangria. I saw it and I snatched it real fast. That is very, very, very wealthy. So I was like a child. With, no, it's, it's it was cheap, but it was it's just delicious. <laughs> I love seltzer water. Mm, that's what you got. Nothing. Um, okay. <laughs> no snack. <laughs> cool. Because like what? What is food anyway? What's food? Um. I want to talk. I've, I got a, a few very important women in my life sent me the very same text message yesterday. Um, and they were all telling me that I needed to read an article that was posted on theroot.com. Uh-huh. Um, and I read it and it really kind of punched me in my stomach. I said, it's the realest thing that I've read in a very long time. It's an article uh, by a woman by the name of Janelle Harris. It's called For Colored Girls in Their 30s and 40s Who Feel Like Life May Have Passed Them By. I will leave a link to the article um, in the description box. Uh, but it's a really, um, a very honest uh, story. Um, Janelle shares about a conversation that she had with one of her uh, girlfriends about mm-hmm. time and timelines. Um because we're socialized to plan out the different phases of our lives, but oftentimes our plans don't come together. Uh, when I say oftentimes, I'm talking like a good 70, 70% of the time, uh, mm-hmm. things don't go according to plan. And that that's cute when we're 22, but the older we get, we begin to value and engage with time very differently. And it's easy to feel like we're either wasting time or have wasted too much time that we don't have a lot of time left. And it's, it's hard to manage these feelings all while working toward our goals um, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves feeling very frustrated and stressed, especially since time is literally beyond our control. It's not something that we can stop or hold on to, put away for later, borrow it from a neighbor. Like it's it's just something that, you know, is here and then it's not. Um, right. And I don't know, I can speak personally. 
and I don't know. I mean, I, I am getting older, but I still don't feel like I'm old. Um, mm-hmm. But I hear, you know, my friends and people who are my peers and counterparts are dealing with a lot of things. People are losing their parents. People are losing their spouses to death and sickness and accidents and tragedy. Um, family members, close family members, you know, and it puts things in perspectives. We thought we we have, a, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, I have plenty of time to do X, Y, Z, or I have plenty of time to do that. But life is showing us that, you know, it's not always promised that we'll get to do the things that we say we're going to do. And sometimes thinking about that adds this layer of pressure to how we navigate our day-to-day lives. So I thought it would be useful for us to talk about time and our expectations and the times we felt like we're late to the party or hell, like our invitation has been rescinded or lost in the mail. Um, and we're stuck at the house trying to get ready for the party or part, ready for this life that we've always seen for ourselves and, and visualized for ourselves, but still feel like mm-hmm. we don't necessarily, you know, haven't quite arrived yet. Janelle frames this convers- frames this in a, in a way that I thought would make for a useful conversation. So I'm going to read a quote. And um, well, maybe before I do that, I'm going to ask you, sis, what are the ways that, you know, you've dealt with time and timeline or have you felt like you know a betrayal of a timeline or a timeline that you set for yourself and didn't realize feeling like it's too late feeling like you you're behind the curve or not doing so well are there ways that that has you've experienced that in your life and how's that made you feel so many ways um career-wise I've spoken so many times about feeling like I've been a late bloomer career-wise because for the longest I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do, but I knew that I was the type of person who um, couldn't sit in a job or couldn't sit in a career with something that I wasn't fully fulfilled or satisfied in. Um, And so I'm glad that I found that and I'm working towards that. But a lot of times I do feel like, well, damn, like it took me a really long time to figure figure that out. And I've got peers, you know, people I've gone to school with and everything who have not only figured out what their careers are, but have flourished in them, have been working in them for some time. Um, they're very set and solid in what that is. Uh, and it's made me at times question myself and be like, well, what's your problem? You know what I'm saying? Why couldn't you figure it out like that? But I just realized I'm like, there's some stuff that's just not for everybody, but I do. I felt like I've been behind the curve when it comes to that. Um, even or even pissing away my 20s and and saving money and fixing credit and building savings thing and as I'm getting getting older and making plans for these things and doing this now sometimes I kick myself cuz I'm like you could have been doing this shit 10 years ago and this is where you would be but we'll get to we'll get to how I resolve those thoughts. But yes, those are some of the ways in which I felt like I might be behind the curve. Yeah. What about you? I totally uh, can agree with that. Um, You know, academically and professionally, you know, in undergrad, I had set my, my goal was to have, you know, my PhD by 30. And then I looked up and found myself in the first year of my PhD program, turning 30 that year, um, being one of the older girls in the, in the, in the uh, program. Um, and, you know, having to manage, manage that, um, and, you know, honestly, not really thinking about it at that point, but I guess I thought about it now. So some of the people who, um, 
even your mentors and, you know, prof- professional mentors, people who I, I've looked up to, um, other academics, other women academics, and, you know, feeling like I was just starting out and they're like well situated and very successful in their careers and in their research agendas and the work that they're doing and then learning later on that we're, you know, three to four years apart in age and me feeling like it's going to take a while for me to catch up. Um, I, Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like because I was in school, um, I mean, I was working all while I was in school, so I was building that professional experience while I was also getting my education, but still feeling like, um, feeling like I have a lot of time to make up for, like I've lost a lot of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And th- that pertains, you know, not only in like professionally, I feel like I'm working as hard as I'm working right now. Cause I feel like I have a, a, a long way to go and a short way to get there. Um, you know, not a lot of time to get there, I should say. And I, I feel like I got to rush and, and work as hard mm-hmm. as I got, you know, and that's not only in terms of making a name for myself professionally in the field that I work in, but also financially. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like working, working really hard because I feel like I need to put money away and save not only for right now, but save for retirement. You know, mm-hmm. um, I have people who I, I graduated with, graduated undergrad with, you know, that, that they started working right after undergrad, um, as did I, but you know, my setup was a little different, but they started working full-time jobs and have been, you know, contributing to retirement for 10 years, uh, 12 years, 15 years now, um, and have been, you know, saving and, and are now like closing on homes and, and, you know, just, just, I feel like they're further along and ahead of me financially. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm, I'm dealing, dealing with and, and working through. Um, personally, um, I feel like, I'm arriving now uh, just in, just with regard to like perspective wise, like having a full sense of who I am um, mm-hmm. and, you know, being okay with that. And I struggle with comparison and trying to com- to, you know, be who I thought I needed to be versus just being myself and um, feeling like, you know, I'm grateful for that, this awareness and this perspective. But now I feel like, okay, now that I have it, how do I, you know, operate and exist, um, you know, in the different spaces in my life and stand in this awareness in, you know, meaningful and useful ways. Um, so, you know, in, in being 35 and just coming to this realization, I feel like, you know, is that on time? Is that late? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, how much time do I have left? You know, that kind of thing with regards to relationships. Um, I don't, I don't have a lot of experience there at all. Cause I've kind of been focused on me and other things. And, and in a way, and because I didn't, I don't really feel like I've had lots of good models and, and all that I've, I've, I've done the situationship thing for way too long. And now I feel like, you know, I don't have any, any, I feel I feel really late. I just say I feel really late with regard to that and tired and you know over it <laughs> um with it when it comes That's to that. Real. So yeah, there are numbers of ways that I'm feeling like I, I struggle with this um and feeling like time like I feel like I can hear the 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 clock ticking. Uh, right. uh, not only with respect to like, you know, when certain things are going to happen in my personal life and when certain things are going to come together professionally and academically, but um, just when, when is it, when is it going to not be, when am I not going to feel this constant state of like 
stress and anxiety about, right. this, you know, that about these kinds of feelings. Right. Cause it shifts too. Like I spoke to you career wise and, and um, spoke to everybody career wise and, you know, told you guys how I was feeling left behind with that. But personally, on the other hand, you know what I'm saying? Where you're, you know, you talk, people talk about marriage and they talk about kids. Yeah, I'm married. Yeah, I got a kid. But then there are other things where I feel like I might have fallen behind. Um, I should have done, done a, sh- a lot more traveling in my 20s when I could. You know what I'm saying? And I've traveled a good bit around the United States, but as far as international travel and, you know, just living my best girl life, um, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna let you all know. I ain't never been to Miami. I ain't never been to Miami, and I ain't never been to. I've Vegas. never been to now, Miami either. I've been to Vegas. I've never. Been two to of Miami. those have been. I mean, most of those have been by choice because those were not my first places to go to because I've been other places. But you know, when you have those, you think about those quintessential girls trips and and having that fun in your twenties. And no, I didn't get pregnant early. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I'm like, oh, I had a kid so early and I didn't have the time. No, I just didn't plan right. (laughs) And now I'm at a point where I have a family. So it's a certain level of responsibility and guilt that you feel um, in in planning trips like that. But it's gotten to a point where I'm like, I we're going to have another kid. Um, I still have to focus on my career. What is the best time other than now for me to go and travel with my friends and and try to enjoy myself a little bit. You know what I'm saying? While I still have my youth and I can still, you know, of course you can travel your whole life, but you know, while I'm still at where I can go wild out and have a good time. And, and I feel like I'm kind of in that weird place where I kind of missed it, but I didn't miss it. And so I'm trying to catch up now, if that makes any sense. Totally. And I mean, uh, I think there's a lot of, so, and, and it's tough, right? Because when, you know, Life is all about like, you know, trial and error. You try mm-hmm. and hopefully it works, but if it doesn't, you know, you try again. Um, but I can definitely relate to, you know, feeling like, you know, I've been trying for quite some time now and I, I still don't feel like I've had my big break. And this is not just in terms of like professionally. I mean, it is. Yes. I mean, you can I say you should. I, blah, blah. I guess you should say <laughs> I guess you should say I can I can speak from personal experience about this particular thing as it relates to my professional life, as it relates to my personal life, as it relates to um, fin- financially, not financial decisions and things like that. I feel like I've been trying um, for a lot of years now and it hasn't worked. And having to con- to deal with and process that, um, you know, feeling that, that that frustration and that defeat, and like, mm-hmm. how do you? How many times am I going to be expected to keep on trying to get up, get back on the horse um, after all of all of my efforts to date have been unsuccessful? Um, right, and that that's just that's just the bottom line, and, and it's really easy to fall into, you know, I'm just going to stop trying or, or maybe this is just not in the cards for me. And that's something that I have, um, you know, really been sitting with and dealing with, um, uh, 
lately? Because it's like when at what time at what point do you say uh, enough is enough? Not all right. it's not always clear, and you want to, especially me as as a person of faith and someone who's trying to you know live out, um, you know what I what I believe in in terms of like, you know, feeling like God's never going to play me and he has, you know, a specific plan and a purpose designed and destined for me. And I have all of these things are going to be used, you know, ultimately to bring me to that destiny and to, you know, fulfill his purpose and intention for me. Like I get all that. And that's all the stuff that we say day and day and we read and we, you know, we sing about it and we believe it. But, you know, sometimes the rubber does meet the road and it's just like, all right, well, I've been trying now, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially I'm thinking specifically about like relationships now. Right. You know, and, and everybody's saying, you know, it's, it's all the cliche things, you know, it's going to happen when you least expect it, girl, all that. Like, you know, we've heard that so many times and it's like, I, I know, and I'm not saying I don't believe that, but part of me also feels like maybe I should start uh, coming to terms with the fact that maybe, you know, it's just not in the cards or is that like, you know, and then having to deal with what well, is, am I giving up? Am, am I compromising my faith? So I'm just saying all of that. And I'm not saying I have the answer. So I'm just trying to be honest about where I am with some of these things right. and saying that I can totally relate to feeling, you know, in, in this, like you fall yeah, behind and feeling this and dealing with the frustration um, of, you know, having your expectations, um, you know, unmet and then you know over and over again and it makes you wonder like well should I lower them or you know am I expecting the wrong things am I pursuing the wrong things so you know I guess I thought we should talk about it because I'm sure that that if we're having these experiences other people are too and just to kind of process it and think about it you know together um and hopefully encourage one another um to kind of keep going and, and you know think talk about some tools and ways that we can kind of walk that out um do you want to say something else or okay. no, uh, no. I'm- um, so the, another layer of this is, um, you know, Janelle, I'm going to read, um, a quote from the, uh, article. Um, cause I think Janelle really frames this in a way that, that, um, I thought would make for some good discussion. She says, we are always warring with time. We, as in, uh, quote me too, there's a palpable mm-hmm. and normalized hurry imposed on black women to perfect life early. The safety net to make the young and goofy mistakes humans make when they are young and goofy is rarely afforded to us. Our missteps scar our life resumes as opportunities gone to waste, and we are continuously reminded of them, particularly when the things we do later don't immediately flourish or succeed at all. Shouldn't we have done this? Could have done that? White women, by comparison, are allowed to discover themselves, experience failures and setbacks, and laugh about them at Panera over coffee and cinnamon scones <laughs> with friends years later. Um, and uh, I thought life, um, yeah, so I, I thought that, I wanted to talk about that. Um, and it is, it, is it different for us? Would you agree with Janelle that it's different for us as Black women or women of color? Um, when it comes to this this particular phenomenon, or um, or are we all out here dealing with the same things, and and why or why not? Oh no, I agree with her one hundred percent. I was <laughs> I, I was watching an episode of Snapped. Um, told y'all I love me some Snap, and this white lady 
uh, allegedly killed this killed this dude. I don't know if she was dealing with him or whatever. And she got like a whole group involved and like they beat him and they killed him. Right. So she was, you know, they first she was arrested. Then they, you know, they realized that the DNA didn't match the blood that was on her clothes. All right. Boom. That wasn't her. Then they came back and realized, oh, this, this nigga had a bite mark on his hand. Okay, so it ended up matching her 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 DNA. So yes, she ended up getting arrested again. She sat in prison for eleven years. She did all this reading or whatever, and then figured out how to get herself out, and she's out now, right? But I was looking at that episode, and I was looking at that episode, and I was like, this white woman is out of prison for murder. Like this lady not only committed murder, but she planned it. It was an entire conspiracy. Like it was a whole plan mm-hmm. she put together with multiple people and she was the ringleader of it. And she is now out walking free, hollering about her innocence and how she never killed this nigga, even though everything points to the fact that she killed this nigga. And it made me think, I was like, she's out here with her grandkids, living with her daughters, living her best life record fully expunged because of a loophole in the system and whatever else. And also within that episode, that lady had been, um, no, I'm sorry. This is another episode. There's another episode where this lady had been married and had three kids by the time she was like 25. And they brought out later on in the episode because she killed her husband. And they brought out later on in the episode how they were a family that you would see at a PTA meeting. They were the family that dropped their kids off to soccer practice and this and that. Now, had that been a black lady, you think they wouldn't have been talking cash shit about the fact that she had three kids by three different niggas by the time she was 23 years old. And then she turned around and killed her husband. We, we don't get to live those lives afterwards. I feel like they stain us forever. We don't ever get to have an expunged record. And I'm not I'm not talking about in the legal, um, tangible sense. I'm literally talking about our lives. We don't get to have an expunged record. And it gets frustrating. And it gets frustrating to hear people talk about how, you know, the black experience is something that, you know, we try to paint to be as victims and how we always want to be the victims. And, and, you know, racism doesn't exist in this and that and the third. But it shows every single day especially with black women, that we are not afforded those opportunities that everybody else is. Yeah. I hope I made any kind of sense in that. (laughs) I think it's definitely worth, um, I mean, you you raised a great point in that, like, the nature, like, racism was, is is a system. It's it's an ideology and it's structured that was set up for us yeah. to be, you know, at a deficit. Like we were not considered yeah. equal from the very beginning. And as such, right. if, the, if the institution of racism has kept um, certain uh, barriers in place. Um, yeah. So the safety net that Janelle um, uh, alluded to in, actually the safety net that she mentioned in the in the quote um, it's not just like, you know, a, a financial safety net or, a, a you know, a professional safety net or having, you know, someone to kind of catch or have your back when it comes to certain things like in your family or personal life. But it's actually like the system is set up to benefit 
certain people, um, you know, and, and acknowledges uh, privileges that, you know, everyone is not afforded. Um, Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think that is something that is too that that you know is a great point to be raised. Um, and when we when we well, our parents and our families were were raised and socialized during times where you know we didn't have much, and um, I could totally see how we didn't have much. You know, we were we were treated unfairly, unjustly. Uh, you know, in terms of what we what we were able to have access to in terms of not only just resources, but opportunities and information and education and resources. Um, mm-hmm. And we were literally abused and beaten and taken taken advantage of in such such um, terrible ways, like such extreme ways that um, I could totally see how that would make previous generations like, you know, risk averse. Like you just want to live on your little plot of land and not cause any trouble and like, you know, you know, not rock the boat. I could totally see how people would feel that way. But, you know, mm-hmm. that has often trickled down generationally and manifested in us, you know, feeling like we shouldn't take risk. And we, you know, we have to live these cookie quarter, cookie cutter, nice, neat lives, um, you know, where, you know, all eyes are, are dotted and all T's are crossed. And when we, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's nice and it sounds good in theory, but life is just not set up that way. And when we are, right. when we make mistakes and when things don't work out like we plan, it's easy for us to take on and internalize, you know, the negative, you know, the disappointment and, and judge ourselves mm-hmm. harshly. And that judgment can often lead us, lead us to, you know, limiting and, and limiting ourselves so that we... So, you know, that one time that it didn't work out keeps us from trying again. So um, mm-hmm. I think that the pressure that we have to do better um, and to do better than our grandparents and, and parents and to go further is hard, you know, um, to, to it's hard right. to carry. It's a lot of weight to carry because, you know, you don't always feel like you have the tools. And I can totally like people don't think about those kinds of things when you talk about the comparisons between, you know, women, people of color and, um, you know, white people, so to speak. So I agree with Janelle um, that there are layers, uh, uh, you know, that history, you know, we, layers of it that pe- people of color have to navigate that white people don't. And it, it, it just makes it feel, right. makes us feel, um, you know, it's it's a lot more for us to to manage and deal with. Um, but that being said, I think we should take uh, pride in 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 the fact that even through all of that, you know, we're doing it and we're doing it our own ways. And um, that's one. I guess that's a good segue to so our next question or the next point that we want to make is like, how do we process and work through the pressure and anxiety of these timelines and still flourish? Because we have great examples, right? So Janelle in her article makes mention of a lot of, you know, you know, some of uh, the black women in our current, um, you know, pop popular culture and, and current popular domains who are out here and making waves, um, quote unquote, later in life. So she talks about um, Tiffany Haddish, uh, 
Regina Hall, Regina King, Oprah, you know, a lot of these people didn't start making moves until they were in their thirties um, and forties. If you want to talk about like Hoda Kotbe and, you know, and when I say making waves, I mean making a big splash because I, I don't want to suggest that, you know, they were just coasting along and then they got their big break. These women were not. working really hard and it just so happened that the big moment that happened on the main stage that we all know about happened later in life. Um, but I'm not suggesting that they weren't working hard until later in life. But yeah, I guess the point that I'm trying to say is like, I think we should turn the conversation now to thinking how we process and work through these things, this pressure and this anxiety and how we continue to move forward just in spite of it. Um, I think Auntie Jennifer is a wonderful example. Jennifer Lewis. Of someone. Absolutely. Jennifer Lewis, who who has made her splash later in life. Um, like we said, her 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 resume <laughs> is mm-hmm. long. It's long and it started a it started a while back with Broadway. However, for the roles that we really know Jennifer Lewis to have played, for for what we really know her to be in, this happened later on in her life. I think starting in her th- somewhere in her thirties. You know what I'm saying? Um, and now she's really like getting her. I think Blackish is her biggest is is her biggest break. I want to say that's what she said. And she's now in her fifties. Mm-hmm. So. I read an article actually um, in relation to this about falling behind in life on the Huffington Post, um, and it I thought it it was a really it was a really great quote, um, and ha- it had some really nice points in the article. But it helps you to kind of re- uh, to kind of resolve when you're starting to feel like you're not where you need to be. Um, and it said, "There's a magic beyond us that works in ways that we can't understand. We can't game it." We can't 10 point list it. We can't control it. Um, So I think constantly remembering the fact that we have zero control. Let me not say that. I'm not saying we don't have control over what happens in our life. Let me reframe what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we can't control the um, unforeseen circumstances that that happen when we have goals and we have things that we've planned out. All we can do is try to roll with it and figure out the next best move in order for us to accomplish those goals. And I think um, what I have to offer is trying to remember not to beat ourselves up and remember that there's so many other good qualities and other things that we've accomplished. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't reach or attain, uh, try to reach those goals or attain those goals that you've set for yourself But if you try to remember all of the good things that you've done and not beat yourself up in the process of trying to accomplish those goals, it helps to make it more productive for myself. Um, I think I agree. I think that um, the first thing in like not beating yourself up is to just acknowledge. Don't try. I mean, I think we should acknowledge the feelings when they come. It's just important to just not stay Mm -hmm. and stay in those places. Like, I think it's okay to to say, you know, that's, this is, this sucks. And I thought that I was going to be in a different place. Um, I know for, for me, I I mean, I didn't think that it was going to work out this way or I didn't, you know, I wasn't anticipating being in this place at this time. Um, because you know, you, you have to acknowledge it, but the important thing is moving past that and trying to surround yourself Mm -hmm. with information and, and people um, that are going to help, you know, 
and listen to you and comfort you through that. But then, you know, okay, sit and strategize with you about, okay, so what do we do from this point? Um, and recent to right. yeah, your yeah, board recent to you and get you back thinking, you know, about, okay, yes, this is terrible, but let's, let's try to, like, I had a, I, I had a, a doctor's appointment last week and I got some unfortunate news. Um, you know, and it wasn't the total end of the world, but in that moment, it felt like it was. And I had to call someone. Um, and I was, you know, upset and I was on, and I just said, listen, I just got this news and I just need you to just help and sit and process it with me. And she was able to just like, she listened to me and she told me, you know, yes, this is, you know, not what we, not what we were expecting and not what we were hoping for. But, and then she sat and we sat and literally talk about like, she pulled me out of the worry and the stress by reminding me, you know, that, you know, this is not the the end of the world. This is not the most terrible thing. Mm-hmm. You have survived other terrible things. We will fi- figure this out. And then, you know, because we are both, you know, share the same faith and, you know, hold ourselves accountable in that way, we were able to talk to you. Tell me what you, this is what you, this is what you learned today, but what do you already know? What do you already know? about mm-hmm. God, what do you already know that he's, the things that he's already done for you? What do you know that, that he's not going to, you know, in, in, in the other times that you dealt with more difficult things than this, has he ever played you? Has he ever, you know, so he, she was able to pull me out of that. So um, definitely thinking about, certain, you know, we have, we know the friends that we can call. They're friends who will sit with us and like, girl, me too. Let's just sit here and drink this wine, talk about how terrible it is. And we will have those moments where we need that. But then we also have relationships or we should, if we, if we are, um, if we don't, we should be working towards the cultivating relationships with people who will say, yeah, that's terrible, but what are we going to do? You know, you know, how let's, let's pull each other up out of, out of this and work toward, you know, if not a solution, let's work toward managing and, and navigating through this in a, in a productive way um, that keeps us looking forward. Um, and then, you know, right. not sitting and berating ourselves and beating ourselves up and, you know, comforting us and saying, you know, this is what you, you only have control and responsibility for the things that you have control and responsibility for. There are things that are going to happen to you that you don't have responsibility for. So don't take on that responsibility. You just have to, you know, trust that it's happened and, you know, it's happened for a reason and it's going to teach us something um, that's going to prepare us for whatever is coming next. Um, And I know personally, and I mean, professionally, I can say, like I said, when I started my doctoral program, I felt a way about being one of the older girls in um, the program because I had worked for 10 years before, you know, you know, being the full time student again, I was working um, and feeling like, dang, I'm sitting in here with girls who are fresh out of undergrad and, you know, look at, you know, here I am literally five to eight years older than, you know, most of the people in this room. Um, but, mm-hmm. and, and it did make me feel ways, but I mean, the closer that we all, you know, as we continue to progress, progress through the program, I begin to realize that in, in many cases, you know, I, there was great value in the time that I spent, you know what I'm saying? Like my experience, the things that I'd seen, it all, it, you know, it framed my choices and my decision-making and I, I had more confidence than some of the younger girls and I was able to move in, in ways that were, you know, different from the younger girls and it positioned me to be further along in other aspects. So it's also 
is try to, to find ways to gain the perspective to see your situation differently. Um, okay, so this didn't happen the way I wanted to, but what is it? I mean, I know more than I, I know more, even though, yeah, I thought I'd be married by now, but all this time being single and dating has given me so much perspective and insight on who I am as a woman that I feel like mm-hmm. when the time comes for me to be in relationship, I'm going to be, it's going to be a stronger relationship because I'm going to have a stronger sense of myself and who I am and what I want and what I need and what I like and what I don't like. And all that crazy time mm-hmm. in relationship, you know, all that time of having to get, to get to know um, each other in the relationship is not further complicated by me not knowing who I am, you know? Uh, and yeah, so I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking and I should shut up now. But the point that, I, the <laughs> point that I'm trying to make is one of the, a good, I think a good way for us to process and work through this is to A, acknowledge our feelings um, and, you know, have them when we need to have them take that time, but just be cautious of not getting stuck there. Did I say A or one? I said A, right? Right. B, right. A. A. <laughs> B, right. right. Two. B, making sure that we have people around us who will, you know, acknowledge what our feelings are and, and be that be those safe havens for us to kind of say, man, this sucks. And I thought that it would be different, but, you know, not only be our safety nets, but to be our, you know, to coach us and, and, and pull us into the direction of like, all right, we're not going to stay here into this sex, but into this sex place, but how can we move forward into like, all right, so let's do something about it space. Um, and see, right. um, trying to, I think a, a good way of moving forward is thinking about and finding value in your current situation. And thinking about, okay, so no, it didn't go exactly how I wanted it to go, but I learned a whole lot of stuff. Um, even if I learned what mm. not to do, even if, you know, I learned a lot about me, I learned what, what is it? And I mean, it's okay to ask, ask other people to help you think, think, if you feel like, girl, I can't think of one thing that's good about this, sit with somebody and ask them to help you. Um, or, you know, do some research, do some insight, read about other people's lives and read memoirs and autobiographies because people tend to tell the truth about their struggles and the lessons that they learned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll start to see that, okay, maybe I'm not the only one um, that has dealt with these kinds of things. And I mean, I pray about it a lot of times, most of the times when stuff, when hard things happen to me, I'll be like, Lord, you're going to have to show me exactly what I need to learn through this because I don't want to deal with this ever again. (laughs) So, so, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just hope that in, I, I, this really resonated with me. Shout out to Fran. This article, this article really resonated with me. Like I sat with it when I read it. Shout out to Mo. Shout out to yeah. Jessica. Shout out to Latoya because these are the three women that sent it to me. Um, I, I, after I read it, I sat with it and was really just like stewing in it all day yesterday because I wanted to just sit and cry like, girl, yes, I know all about this. And, um, you know, I sat with Jade about it and we were trying to think about how to make it a conversation. So if it was horrible and we did too much talking, we're sorry, but (laughs) we don't have the answers. We're just trying to, you know, talk about it in in productive ways. So we hope that it's, it's helpful to you, man. I, um, when I lost my job at so, cause I, where I'm at now. All right. I'll get to that. When I lost my job at Sony, I had worked. A mo- I told you I have said this before. I have worked. I worked a multitude of jobs and a multitude of careers 
early in life trying to figure out, all right, do I want to go into sociology? Do I want to go into, you know, with social work? Do I want to go into um, environmental engineering? You know, and realize none of those things were for me. And then when I, I started working in the music industry, I started at Def Jam. I ended up at Sony. Um, licensing and strategic marketing was great. You know what I'm saying? I was I was in my lane. I was in my environment. It was everything, everything that I wanted it to be. Everything that I was like, all right, this is this is what all these bullshit ass jobs, all of these positions that I've not been happy in where I've had to endure this or that. Like, this is what it all led to working in a place that I enjoy working, doing something that I enjoy doing. And when I got laid off in my mid twenties and then realized the, the fall that the music industry was taking and that that might not be where I would end up because the future of it has just been so shaky. Um, it left me in a place feeling real lost, like really lost. And again, like I said, I've always had food behind me, but I really wanted to do that. Like I really wanted to do that. And I felt like super, super, like I felt like an orphan (laughs) when I, when I lost my job and I couldn't figure out what the hell was my next step. Um, and even now, even in the industry that I love being in, Um, I, I still have moments where I'm like, yo, but you got like all these young people who have gone to culinary school and they've got that technique and they've got this and they've got that. But I'm like, but what helps me to, to, to put it all together and to really sit here. And like Kia said, it's very important for you to acknowledge the feelings. It's very important for you to sit there and say, okay, I've been disappointed for this reason because it helps you to figure out a plan for the future. And it helps you to appreciate all of those rough times that you've had to deal with and figuring out what that path is. And I'm very appreciative of all of the stories of all of the coworkers of all of the environments that I've worked in in the past, um, because it helps me truly appreciate what I'm doing now. And I think being able to appreciate that I don't know if I would have been able to appreciate this the way that I would have had this been maybe 10 years ago and I didn't deal with that Absolutely. severe disappointment. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, so like, I've um, been a frustrated college administrator, university administrator for 10 years. <laughs> I mean, I love the job. It wasn't like I didn't love the work. I felt like I was good at the work. I was able to impact a lot of student lives and even like, you know, affect change at my institutions. And it was awesome. It was super fulfilling. Um, but my frustrations were always with, uh, you know, issues of access to information and, you know, different issues of infrastructure at the institutional level and, and things that policy, um, both at the institutional level and, and you know, broader than that, uh, uh, larger levels than that. And, you know, I while I was dealing with all that frustration and feeling, you know, like, well, what what is what do we do now? What do we do this? All of that is really the context that framed the questions that I had going into graduate school. It gave me insight that people who had never worked in that in those environments before they maybe have read about but have never lived. So like my me living Mm -hmm. the experience um, really, really uh, gave my research shape. Because I had perspective and insight that, you know, people didn't really know, you know, other other people didn't know about. And this really was able, to, 
it's, it's affected the way that I write. It affects the way that I speak, the way that I engage. It affects the, what I pay attention mm-hmm. to, the kinds of questions that I ask. And that kind of lived experience is, is you know, you can't, it's not something that you can get from reading about. Like people will read about what I write and they'll know mm-hmm. about it, but they haven't lived it. So they don't have the level of, a, uh, the level of, of, um, focus or attention or detail that I can bring to a certain thing. And I, I had learned that all of that experience really makes me the researcher that I am. And it really positions me to do the work that I do and, and what I can bring to the table um, that other people may not be able to bring. So me being a black woman in those spaces, me being a young black woman in those spaces, me being um, someone who was raised in a single parent home, someone, you know, you know, being first generation in the sense that, you know, uh, you know, there are things that you, there are, if you sit and think, you can think about, you can find the value you can find, you can find uh, like Jade was saying, our experience have a way, even if they're challenging and difficult, they have a way of, you know, giving us information and perspective that we otherwise wouldn't have gotten. So that's why we can say that, you know, nothing is really wasted. And I have to remind myself of that, like frustrate all of these horrible dates, <laughs> all, all of these horrible <laughs> dates, all of these stupid questions that people ask, like all of these things, you know what I'm saying? All the mistakes that I made with regards to my spending, you know, my saving, where I put money, you know, all of these things are going to help me in the long run. And I know that that's really cliche to say, and we all roll our eyes because we've heard it so many times before, but that's just the real of it. Tiffany Haddish's book and all of her comedy, uh, bits and things about her stand-up they're all about live experiences that she's had and she's found a way to tell her story in a way that's funny and engaging and we can connect to it because we know that she lived it right so like um Mm -hmm. hopefully all of the things i don't say hopefully but all of the things that we struggle with right whether it be you know, whether you're in a job right now that you're just not all that enthused about you got it because you thought you needed to get it and all you know all of that and you don't really feel fulfilled by it, and you're trying to figure out what to do next, use all of your frustration to help show you what possibly, you know, what, what, what your options are as far as what are the next steps. You know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff is not, it's not for naught. It's not for, it's not for waste. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just, um, it, it's not just career wise. Like we've spoken hugely from a career standpoint. And I know we continue to speak from a career standpoint, but like Kia said in life, she talks about dating um, financially for myself. I fucked my credit up young being stupid. I don't have bad credit because I uh, have a rack of student loans. I don't have a rack of, of debt period. Um, but it was just being careless and being dumb. And while I can sit here and say, girl, you could have fixed this shit years ago. I now, like I, I have taken different steps to rectify because part of credit, we will have an entire episode on finance. We're Don't not think ignoring that we you. We, just all of your, we have the right information, the right you. people on, on deck to help us right. have a useful conversation and know that I will be listening very intently with taking copious notes so that I can get my <laughs> life in order as well. So... So just know that we that it's coming, but we are making sure that it is right. Um, but for me personally, you know, doing my research and looking into investments and and CDs and and all of the things that I wasn't educated on uh, because my parents didn't have that education. 
and they didn't learn it until later in life. I'm now, and I tried to take steps to fix my credit years ago, and then I ended up, (laughs) I got a loan to pay off the little debt that I did have, and then I was going to pay that loan and be done, and my credit would be clean, right? I said this, I said, I did try to do this like 10 years ago. Ended up losing my job right after I got the load and it was just, it just all got fucked up. But now I'm at a place where I am in the process of fixing everything. I'm fixing it the proper way and I'm trying to build for the future. And I'm much more appreciative and I pay a lot more attention to what I'm doing um, and educating myself in finance and, and figuring out, you know, how I can have a long-term plan for my family and my child doesn't have to worry about, you know, certain things that I had to worry about and so forth. She ain't got to work four and five jobs in college so that she doesn't have student loan, like trying to figure those types of things out, making sure me and my husband have a good retirement. He's focused on the same thing. Like we're really appreciative and paying a lot more attention um, as we take these, these necessary steps to try to rectify those things in our lives. And so while I get frustrated, I do take a step back and I'm thankful because I know that I'm doing the right thing. I know I've taken my time with it. And um, I read you all that quote earlier, but if we can round it out, sis, um, it wasn't the full thing. And I think that this is great. And whatever it is that you may be dealing with in your life that you feel like you've fallen behind financially, career-wise, family, dating, marriage, um, traveling, uh, seeing the world, just whatever goals that you've set that you feel like you haven't reached yet. Again, um, in this Huffington Post article, and I'll make sure that I put the link in the description box, it says there's a magic beyond us that works in ways that we can't understand. We can't game it. We can't 10 point list it. We can't control it. We have to just let it be to take a fucking step back for a moment, stop beating ourselves up into oblivion and let the cogs turn as they will. One day this moment will make sense. Trust that and give your permission, yourself permission to trust that. So hope this, uh, this was able to resonate with you guys. <laughs> Shout out to Fran. Um, and we weren't just talking all over the place. <laughs> uh, you have anything? Sis? Um, you close I mean, I way? guess, well, I will, I really like the way that Janelle closed the article. Um, I mean, okay. we'll link it so you guys can read the whole thing, but, uh, um, she says we just turned the corner into 2018 and the reset of another year will surely flare some time and age related fears and inadequacies inevitably another friend will call me in, a, in frenzied tears about the betrayal of a timeline maybe while she's setting goals or framing what this fresh set of 365 days should look like I'm not above being the friend doing the weepy calling to someone else either once upon a time I dreamed of being on a 30 under 30 list of successful writers. Then when that didn't turn, didn't work out in time, a 40 under 40 list. Now I just anticipate the rich surplus of blessings that accumulate in the holding pattern. I know that guy better cash out. We've been waiting. (laughs) So shout out to Janelle. I really, uh, you girl, you got to get out of my business. You was all up in it, in this article. Um, I, we will leave both the links to the article that Jade mentioned and this article. Um, uh, as well in the description box. You guys weigh in. Um, let us know your thoughts. Thank you guys for sending everyone that sends the emails about. Uh, we really, I read all of those when you guys respond to the content. Um, 
of the show and add your two cents. And I love to see the discussion continue on on Twitter and Instagram and other platforms on the Facebook group. So continue to do that. Y'all know how to reach us. All our all of our social media um, uh, handles are in the in the description box as well. So I guess we can move on now to honesty box. Yes, let's move on to the honesty box. Honestly, truly. <laughs> it's time for the honesty box. Oh shit, sorry. <laughs> um, hey Key and Jade, I love the show. I started listening while I make the long four hour drive to go home to my mom's house in San Antonio, Texas hey, on breaks from school. Sorry, this mm-hmm. might be Hey mom. This sorry, this might be kind of long. I'm currently attempting to be on team type and fast pursuing a nice. master's in communication. My pro- my program is two years. I'm in this weird position of not being a first year or a second year grad student. I graduated with my undergrad degree of multimedia in May 2016. Due to a nauseating waiting game beyond my control, I wasn't able to start grad school until spring 2017. Because of this, I started technically a semester behind as regular admittance begins with classes in the fall. This past semester, I took the prereq classes that most take in their first semester. Finally, I can breathe as I tuned in, as I turned in my last paper a few days ago. Last semester and this semester absolutely kicked my ass. I didn't turn in assignments on time or was a few minutes late in submitting. I work a ton of small part-time jobs on campus to have a decent, not really paycheck. I'm exhausted in every way possible. I'm completely disappointed in myself. A class last semester and a class this semester with the same teacher, I didn't fully complete the final paper. This semester wasn't as bad. I was close, but time got away from me. Along with my self-disappointment, I feel inadequate to be in grad school and frustrated. I don't know the end game as far as what I want to do. To paint the picture, I honestly feel I'm in the dark with arrows shooting without a clue as to what's in front of me. I'm not happy writing all these papers with classes I don't care about. Any advice on how to find my happy place again or see at least a few feet? What's in front her of name? Me? Did she say? We supposed to say? All right. Well, let me go. No, she didn't. I'm going to call mm-hmm. you, sis. All right, sis. <laughs> I'm hearing a couple of things. <laughs> First of all, you got to let that. You led with the fact that you feel behind because you started a little bit later. I want to first tell you that Mm -hmm. when you earn your degree, no one's going to ask you how long it took you to learn it. Like when whatever degree you get, whether it's an undergrad, master's, PhD, all they're going to say, when you say I have my master's in, what is it, communications, whatever, child. I heard heard you. I was paying attention. Yes. I have my master's in communications and multimedia. No one's going to say, girl, how long it take you to get that? They're going to say, oh, that's what's up. So whatever it is, like, I feel like you're putting a lot on yourself um, for this. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, and you've taken all the fun out of it. You don't just, typically, I should say, you don't hear people going into graduate school um, and just arbitrarily picking programs. Something initially drew you to communications and multimedia. And I think you've lost sight of what that initial something was. And you you might need, if you find that again, Mm -hmm. that might help you to figure out, A, what your end game is. um, And and B, it will give you the fuel and energy and inspiration that you need to push through um, the difficult aspects of your graduate program. As far as the work, um, very few of us, I want, I don't, I was going to say nobody, but maybe there are some, the very few of us enjoy graduate school. Um, 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, thinking broadly, we love learning generally. We like knowing how to do things and getting skills and insight. But the act of going to graduate school in terms of sitting in classes at a two to three hours at minimum, uh, listening to professors who are not always engaging and thoughtful and uh, even respectful um, and, you know, sitting in classrooms with people who you may or may not like having to write really long papers and stay up late hours to do it all while trying to work and sustain yourself and put food on your table and pay your rent. It's just not fun by nature. It's not set up to be fun. I get this question often from a lot of people um, when it comes to graduate school. It's hard work. There's nothing about it that is supposed to be, you know, running through the flowery fields and skipping. <laughs> it is It is hard. It's hard. It's supposed to be hard. You having a master's degree suggests that you have... Um, content knowledge about specific things and you can could be considered an expert about that and they don't just give that away you're going to have to prove to them that you know what you say that you know it's going to require you to do things like write long papers and take tests and contend with people who you don't necessarily want to contend with um in order to do it so i say i guess my advice to you is to try to find and, and fall, rekindle your love affair with whatever it is that brought you to communications and multimedia. Whatever your big, your big outside the box dream was. And you was like, man, I'm going to get my degree and that's going to help me get there. Try to remember that and keep, keep your eyes focused on that. Cause that's, you're going to need that inspiration to get you through the sucky parts of the process because there will be sucky parts of the yeah. process. I don't, anybody who tells you that there won't be parts of graduate school that you absolutely loathe, disdain and hate you is, is lying to your face <laughs> and you should not have further conversation with him or her. Um, you just shouldn't. It's because they're lying. Uh, it's going to be tough, but it's absolutely feasible. You just have to set your intention and work as hard as Jax to get it. I am concerned about you not, um, uh, you know, turning in your final papers or, you know, falling behind in your grades because that's going to, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like if it's, a, you, we need to, we might need to have more conversation about what that's really about. Is it a matter of you not understanding are you frustrated and that's keeping you from wanting to do it but you gotta if you want to do this you got to do it right you can't half-ass it it's not going to be something I, I don't know what your expectation was but I'm not going to say oh girl you should just quit <laughs> um, unless unless no. you sit back and think think big picture and think your long-term goals um and this doesn't align like it did it at one point um then that might be a conversation. But if that, you know, if this is really what you want to do, and I feel like it is, then you just got to make yourself and discipline yourself in order to do it right. Nobody wants to half-ass nothing. Right. Right. And don't wait. And and, and it's expensive. <laughs> Hello? It's Let's expensive. say that louder. Say that it's one more time. It's expensive as hell. <laughs> and it's, it's time consuming. And so if you are going to half-ass it, I agree with Kia. I'm not going to tell you to quit. Um, and I feel like you've just kind of reached like a, a really stuck place where you are. Uh, but, you know, but there is, like Kia said, there's something that drew you. So there's something of you that wants to do it. But if there is no part of you that truly wants to do this, and this is why you are piddling around and fucking right. off, then you need to really step back and figure that out so that you're not continuously wasting time and money. Right. 
And if there right. are people that you need to have proper conversations with to try to help you um, to navigate and kind of frame what it is that you're trying to do or to help you even figure it out, because you, you're in a place, it sounds like, where you, you can't figure it out, um, then, then, then summon that help. You know what I'm saying? Reach out. It's to available. It's out. absolutely available to you. You, um, you got to get out of your own head and out of your own way. Right. And I mean, just as a, as a, a, as an aside to the people who are listening to this, um, graduate school is not something that you just enter in wandering aimlessly and blindly and just thinking you're going to bump into, uh, you know, your career, um, uh, without any kind of sense of, you know, Oh, well, I guess I'll just do this. It doesn't work that way. Especially right. when we, you know, this is something you should be intentional about from the beginning. It's okay for um, your your ideas and your um, interests. They will continue to grow and change and evolve with you. So I'm not saying that have uh, a, a, one, one strategy in mind and write it in cement. I'm saying you should think very intentionally and purposefully about what it is that you want to do and find strategies to make that happen. And if graduate school is a part of the strategy, then you need to be just as intentional about finding the right program that meets your needs and fits with your goals, desires, your personality and who you are. Um, and then work like hell to get through it. Right. Um, and don't just think that when you are frustrated and tired, that this is a sign that maybe this is something that you shouldn't do. Like, it's not going to be easy. Don't mm -hmm. take every challenge or every difficult thing as a sign that this is not what you uh, should be doing. But you should definitely just I just I mean, I, I just felt like I needed to say because I, I, I get a lot of questions about people who say they want a PhD and then I ask them what they wanted and they're just like, I don't know. It's like, you don't want a PhD. You want one to say that you have one. one right. You know what I'm saying? But we got too much work to do as a people mm -hmm. um, to be out here not knowing. Wandering aimlessly. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's too much work to be done out here. And like Jay said, all this stuff costs time and money. We don't, like, we don't buy cars and houses and all things, all the other major investments that we make. You don't just go into the real estate office and say, I think I want, um, what is it? You, how many bedrooms you want? I don't know. Like, don't you know. you know exactly what you want when you want it. You want ranch style? You want two style? I'm exactly. Not, I'm not sure. I don't know. Just whatever. And it's any, if you don't have, if you don't have, uh, the specificity, like your goals and your dreams and your, they should have specificity so that you can make act so you can have like, mm -hmm. you know, real, so you can, you need that context and that detail so that you can make the right strategies and the right moves going forward. I'm not saying Word. that you have to, you know, nail every iron out, every specific, every, every detail, fine, fine tooth detail, but you should have, you know, Get you, I, I, the degree that I didn't get the PhD so that I could be Dr. Kia on Instagram. I got the no. PhD because there were things that I wanted to know and learn and problems that I wanted to be a part of, of solving. And in order for me to get my seat at the table, I needed to have what the people already sitting at the table had. Right. So... So you got to be definitive, sis. You got to. Yeah. <laughs> whatever gotta, it is, whatever it is that you, that drew you to this program, we got to figure out and, and get hairline, 
razor razor laser sharp focus on (laughs) what it is right that too but you need that that level of focus on whatever the Mm -hmm. heck about communications and media relations or whatever what's my memory but whatever it was about that that drew you to the program initially drew you to the thought initially you got to get back in sync with that and fall in love with it again and if that's not it then maybe it is time for you to pack your things and go yeah, and fig and figure out what what is it. What is it? And it's and it won't be no shame, and not, you won't be the first one to have to make that decision either. So don't feel bad about that. It's you like, come sit at my table <laughs> and be like, oh, <laughs> let's sit at the oh, well, that didn't work. Let's try it again. Table. There's plenty of room over here for that. I'm queen. I'm right here at the Listen, head. We got welcome you with no judgment. There or shame. is room. We are waiting here with open <laughs> arms. Like, girl, I tried this six years ago, and it was a terrible decision. So there's there's no there's no shame in that. There's no shame in doing any of this because we all are figuring it out. This is what our show Getting Grown is all about. So Yep. And shout out to my heat. Yes. Shout out to the Heat in Brooklyn for cutting on because it could have been another way. Word. Let's move forward because this is a long ass episode for Word. Me. <laughs> <laughs> But hopefully y'all will have plenty to discuss and listen to on your commutes and what have you. But all right, let's get into these petty peeves. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. It's time. Run, sing. All right. That was not a run. That yes, was a, it was. It was, was a wall was a slide. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was me being Mariah Carey. Oh girl. Petty's petty peeves. Um so my petty peeve is my own this week. Um it's about childish palettes. I spoke oh. about it on my Instagram. Um and I know that there are certain people who are gonna feel attacked. Sorry, Nikki. Um <laughs> But people who say on like onions and things in their food, I don't like celery. I don't like onions. I don't like peppers. Oh my god, what is that? My is that leaves? What is this? Uh, I'm like, grow the fuck up. You like jambalaya? Yeah, man. You like etouffee? So do you know how those things start? They start with the Holy Trinity. You got to put peppers and you got to put onions and you got to put celery and you got to put the base of things. And this is what builds flavor and creates flavor. And I had a man ask me um, on Instagram, on uh, Twitter, he was like, because I was talking about bay leaves. Uh, I guess there's this whole Chipotle thread where it's a bunch of people who have taken pictures of the bay leaf in their food and been like, oh, this is disgusting. It's It's unsanitary. There's leaves in my food. And it makes me really sad for them and their childhood. They've never, but just, they don't know. They just have never had a real encounter with flavor. And that's really they, they haven't. And that's not your fault. But what is your fault is the fact that um, onions and peppers are in the base of everything. <laughs> They're in the base of chocolate cake. They're in the base of everything. <laughs> chocolate cake. <laughs> and if you, you, you got, you got to grow up, man. You got to, you got to expand your palate. Nobody's asking you to eat snake or bear. You know what I'm saying? I don't eat those things either. But as far as simple things that help to build what your food becomes, grow up and eat them. They're not going to kill you. So that's my petty peeve. Tell them why you That's it. All right. Uh, I, too, have a petty peeve of my very own. And I would like to speak to uh, it's, it's, it's about hair. 
um, because hair is important to me. Yes, it is. And it's also about hygiene. And that mm. should be important to everybody. Mm. So I hope that the natural hair Nazis don't <laughs> um, come for me or my head or my face or my hair or anything like that. Shea I too, and you know what I'm saying? I too um, have natural hair. Same. And I understand that, you know, there is a social movement, the natural hair movement and you know we we love you guys and we thank you for all of your informational videos and blogs and things that that we have been able to google and get insight into how our best to take care of our hair um and i understand that you know this do-it-yourself thing it's really just taking it's taking the world by storm and i think that we all should be empowered to do things for ourselves i do also believe that in our you know quest forward we should never lose sight of the thing the fundamental things um you know that are just basic you know that are basic and essential to having healthy hair and healthy bodies Mm -hmm. that being the absolute necessity of carefully and consistently shampooing your hair now i understand that there are certain people who believe that shampoos are not good or healthy for your hair. And we use conditioners, um, you know, exclusively for cleansing purposes. And I do understand that that has its place. But at some point, I believe that our, that, you know, surfactants are necessary (laughs) in actually emulsifying the dirt and oil from our scalps. Mm -hmm. You must cleanse your hair um on a consistent basis why my petty peeves is about stinky scalps i don't want to smell your scalp sis i we know i sat in the choir stand at church yesterday and i was accosted by uh, the smell (laughs) of somebody's scalp i mean i don't know you know you know i don't know we leave our we let our now the girls let the you know we keep our wigs and weaves and bundles and protective styles for a, a very long time, and I don't know that many of us make keeping our own hair clean and healthy a priority. Our own hair clean you have to clean your own hair underneath your protective styles. Yeah. Otherwise, your scalp will smell like salt and vinegar chips, which is what I was forced to contend with yesterday. Or earring bags. And I just don't feel like potato peels and, and like and smelly <laughs> oh, socks. We don't like why does why does your hair smell like a sock full of nickel sis? We don't want Ugh. we we don't want like and I, I, I'm of the belief that your hair can't smell like that and you not smell it. But nah, there's no smell that comes off of you that you don't smell when other people smell it. I just I just I'm, somebody had not washed their hair for a very long time. And it bothered me to the extent where I felt like I needed to say something today. Girl, if Please. you have braids and you got to go back to 93 and throw some sea breeze on them joints, whatever you got to do, cleanse your scalp. I'm telling you, something I'm like. telling you, use some shampoo, sis. Oh, that yeah, product, no. that conditioner clogs up your pores. Yeah. It really... You know, and I'm all for it. I'm off and I will co- I co-wash my hair often now, especially since this it's, it's bleached and I care, you know, I'm trying to care of it, but at least once a week I have to, use, and you can use a sulfate free. You can, you know, there are, there are non harsh, yep. there are shampoos with, without harsh chemicals that adequately clarify and clean your hair. 
you please can, do that. You can do apple cider vinegar rinse. You just be careful to- with that too because you will smell like apple cider vinegar. Absolutely. But there are steps to, to there are steps. Up. Yes, make sure that <laughs> don't don't just dash your hair down with the brags. No, no, but, no, no. Look up the look up the the, the regimen. Yes, <laughs> look up the instructions for how to properly do that. But at the same time, I don't. I, we've gotten away. We've gotten away from you know washing our hair on a regular basis because you know we don't have to do that we clarify we don't comb through with our combs we use our fingers all of these things that we do and i'm not here to tell you what not to do i am here to tell you that don't nobody want smell salt and vinegar chips every time you scratch your scalp boom that's it that's all we don't like blue magic buildup is gross it don't smell Ooh. good it smells like old mops so do something about <laughs> mop that. Mop water. Mop water. You know, you got the old mop and start smelling like throw up. Like that's what that, it's not. No. Change your mop heads. Wash a thousand, your hair. A thousand times no. Wash your hair. Every, <laughs> wash, your hair. every wash your hair often. I wash my hair and I use a comb. Wide tooth, but I use it. So. I, do, I use a comb as well because I'm not above it. And my head is cool. You know what I'm saying? It's you know crazy over here. It's healthy. It's thriving. It is clean. My edges, it's clean <laughs> and it smells amazing. I thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Getting Grown. Make sure you're sending your kitchen table talk suggestions, honesty box questions, and petty peeves to gettinggrownpodcast at gmail.com. Um, all of the information will be provided in the description box. Uh, thank you for sitting through this entire episode. If you did. <laughs> We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Word. Um, yeah. And that's all I got. We got some fun stuff coming. So make sure you stay tuned for some announcements. And uh, that's all, that's it. That's all I got. Yes, ladies and, and germs. Uh, make sure that you're uh, drinking your water, minding your business, moisturizing, uh, because your black will in fact crack if it's dry. Happy Martin Luther King Day. King, King, celebrate for the king. Bye. Bye.